There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. assuming you are. I'm in perma-ramit mode. As we should be, as we near the 2014 NFL Draft. Plenty to talk about today. We've got free agent signings, one brick, comma, Kenny, Carrington, comma, Alex. We're doing official last name, first name today. Let's keep it classy, everybody. Um, plenty to talk to about the draft. The Rams with the number two overall pick, as well as the 13th pick in the first round. Plenty to sort through there. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, we can talk about the rest of the league, obviously, Deshaun Jackson, big-ticket free agent, currently in uh, my metropolitan area of Washington, D.C., although without contract, last I saw, albeit uh, reports suggest that he's close. Um, some other big signings across the league, obviously, we can get into some NFC West talk, general Rams schedule, all things Rams, all things football, all things sports, all things America, which your boy, All-American 3K. The number to call us up. Uh, tonight is going to be 347-857-1022. Give us a holler. we got two great guests. Uh, Mike Burns is going to come on from firstpick.com. That's first-pick.com. Really cool website uh, relating to the NFL draft. Uh, but a little bit earlier, before we bring Mike on, we're going to have my man from SB Nation's own Clemson site, Shaking the Southland, uh, Brian Lewis, going to come on. 
talk to us for a little bit about uh, some of the Clemson prospects. Perhaps you've heard about a wide receiver they have. I believe his name is Whammy Sotkins. Whammy Sotkins. Uh, I believe he's Nigerian with a name like Whammy Sotkins. Uh, Sammy Watkins. We're going to talk about him. Taj Boyd, maybe Brandon Thomas, obviously. Rams need some offensive line help. So we're going to get into some Clemson stuff, some draft stuff. Uh, anything and everything about the Tigers, comma Clemson, again, last one first, uh, with Brian Lewis of Shaking the Southland. Um, couple wrap-ups because it's been a while. You know, it's season six, season premiere. It's been a while since we spoke. Uh, interesting moves so far by the Rams this offseason. Not big players early in free agency. I put a piece up a couple weeks ago that, you know, kind of praised that. I think the Rams have tried some big-ticket free agent moves that haven't necessarily worked, and we've seen a lot of those around the NFL in, in the last decade. So I'm, I'm kind of pleased that in a year where they didn't have a ton of uh, cap money to spend, that they didn't go out and force it. They didn't go out and force it on a guy that they thought, you know, could possibly help, but not a surefire thing. Uh, you know, they bring back Roger Saffold, and obviously that's going to take a lot of that money away. But it's better to, to play with the devil you know than the one that you don't. And obviously the way the Raiders handled it made the Rams look, uh, by extension, a much uh, more professional, much more capable organization, although with the Raiders that's not hard. No offense to Mike or Brian if you guys are Raiders fans. Um but, you know, the Rams come away from that looking pretty strong and obviously add a piece of their offensive line that between Saffold and Jake Long when he comes back gives them some experience. They're going to have to build around that, obviously, because uh, there, there's there's some lacking talent, especially along the interior, though Saffold's going to stay inside at guard. Uh, also signed Alex Carrington, former Buffalo Bill. A uh, couple injuries he had to deal with, but showed a lot of promise. Um, he's going to be a key part of the depth of that interior line, which shapes up to possibly be one of the NFL's best. Obviously, everybody knows the ends and Chris Long, Robert Quinn. You know, Michael Brockers on the interior is capable of disrupting most pockets. Kendall Langford shown some capability, but I think what makes it as strong as a unit as it is is the depth. The Rams are signed pretty much uh, through next season, uh, but for the most part, you're looking at this season. Uh, for the St. Louis Rams. And it, it's an impressive roster that they put together on the backside of the defense. But, you know, you start up front with that defensive line, and you're talking about, you know, seven guys deep that, that can create some some pain for offensive lines. William Hayes, obviously, has been successful. Eugene Sims has had his moments. And even Jermel Cujo, you know, is a capable backup. So they're eight, maybe nine deep, depending on how you feel about Matt Conrad, maybe Mason Brody. You know, they've got players on that defensive line. But the big signing coming uh, this week is actually last night, Kenny Britt, uh, former Tennessee Titan, linking back up with his former coach and Jeff Fisher. Now his uh, off-field resume to some may be more impressive than his on-field resume, and let's be honest, you know, nine arrests, it's, uh, that's rare form. That's uh, impressive in the worst kind of way. But the reality is, you know, he's got a, a skill set for his size, six foot three a filled-out frame that showed some promise early on in his career after coming out of Rutgers, never really put together that big explosive season, although he hit nine touchdowns in his second year. Um, I think the Rams are going to look for a little bit more, and I made the case that a, a big possession wide receiver was the biggest need on the roster. I think maybe they'll give him a chance to, to hit that role. Uh, Brian Quick, obviously, until he's cut, he's still got his chance, although without any special teams contributions, you got to think that, they're looking at it. if you're taking a, a flyer on a guy, having some backup of, of different ways you can use them would add some versatility and add some value to the position. So that's where we're at in terms of the roster right now. Obviously, it's been relatively quiet uh, for you know by NFL standards. But the reality is, with the second and thirteenth picks in the first round, the Rams are looking at the draft. 
as they should be to determine their fortunes for the long term moving forward. And they're in a better position than almost anybody in the NFL. It's a matter of making the most out of what they get. And, and this year they've got a chance to either take one of the big names early on or move down and amass a couple other picks. You go back two years ago when they traded that second overall pick to RG3 and the host of players that's brought in, you know, you expect that this year, the third year for those guys, second year for some of the other picks that they translated into extra opportunities. You, you want to see them develop. You want to see some on-field product that shows that, you know, guys like Janoris Jenkins can make good on the promise of his athleticism, that, you know, Michael Brockers can step into an even bigger role and be an even more dominant defensive tackle. You know, rookies like Tavon Austin and Alec Ogletree last year should come into their second year and be even more impressive. And, you know, they set the bar pretty high. Tavon, obviously, with as much hype as he had going into the season, that ball was set pretty high form by the media. But, you know, in terms of what they were able to do on the field, it wasn't bad rookie seasons by any measure. Um, throwing T.J. McDonald, Stenman Bailey, uh, you know, with all the picks that the Rams have had, you could go on for a couple minutes listing every single pick that they've drafted in the last three years. The reality is it's a young team. It's a promising team. And they're going to get even younger because they're going to have to dip into this first round uh, perhaps twice. We'll see. If they trade out of that first round, they're looking at, uh, I think, 18 first-round picks for the Jimmy Johnson chart. But one of those uh, prime prospects at the second overall position, and certainly if they trade down, is going to be Sammy Watkins, wide receiver out of Clemens. Clemens, Clemson. Man, see, it's season six for episode one. I'm struggling, guys. It's going to take me a minute to get back on my game. But let me talk about Sammy Watkins and Clemson and everything going down there in the uh, Palmetto State. I want to bring on Brian Lewis from Shake on the South. The Southland. <laughs> Brian, I'm struggling tonight, man. What's going on? Brian, not, you there? Not, yeah, sorry. Hold on one second. Uh, no, it's all good. <laughs> Where are you? Are you at spring practice? Yeah. Are you at Tony Watkins' uh, house party? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Sorry, actually. Uh, watching Clemson take away uh, – a uh, NIT uh, semifinal win. Uh, unfortunately, Clemson basketball is not quite the uh, the football uh, powerhouse. You know, it's sad, well, you guys but, have uh, set the bar pretty high, though, on the football side, so that, I, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing. Yeah, no, uh, it, it is not. And it's, you know, it's one of those, is, you know, as Rams fans, actually, I'm, uh, I'm in St. Louis now myself permanently, and... Uh, Rams fans here know, you know, sometimes it's a little difficult when you have high expectations. But uh, The irony no, of yeah. the small world, man. Well, good. <laughs> exactly. Hey, thanks for coming on, everybody. And Brian Lewis is shaking the Southland without the G, S-H-A-K-I-N, the Southland. Mm-hmm. Brian, let, let's go back. Before we get into the draft, kind of recap the 2013 Clemson football season. It was uh, came in with some really, really big expectations. And obviously they delivered on some of them. But as big as it was, I remember going back, you know, the, the Clemson-Florida State game was, I think, one of the two college football games of the year I got my wife to watch with me, and I probably watched about 300 games, so that's saying something. Um, how did you feel about the season? You know, two losses, big losses, Florida State and South Carolina at the end of the season, but a big bowl win over Ohio State. Did you feel that, you know, with those bookends, Ohio State and Georgia, those big wins, that it was satisfying, or do you think there was maybe a missed opportunity there for something really, really special? It, it, it's one of those, you know, I think if you, if you look at our uh, preseason expectations, especially at FTS, uh, we, we were expecting, you know, it's always win 10 games, win the conference, beat South Carolina, you know. And, but we also knew this was a pretty special group. You know, Sammy Watkins, Taj Boyd, uh, among others. And 
I, there was a real excitement, especially after that Georgia game of, you know, why not the national title? Um, so, you know, obviously the Florida State game was that, – that had to be one of the most depressing games I've ever seen in person. That, that was my one game of the year when I went back to Clemson, and it was not, not worth it. Uh, and then obviously <laughs> losing to South Carolina five straight in a row uh, now, and that, that's just unacceptable. You, you can't lose to a rival you've beaten two out of every three years five times in a row. There's, there's no excuse for that. But, yeah, I mean, the Orange Bowl win was, was a nice win. You know, obviously Ohio State, only one loss in two years until we played them. That, it's a good team. But I, I think it's more of that we're proud of what Clemson did, but there is definitely that missed opportunity. You know, you feel like everything came together, schedule, uh, all of that. But it just didn't, you know, we just didn't get it done in the end. And it's, it's a little frustrating because you don't, you don't know when those chances are going to come around in college football. You can never predict it. Um, but we'll move on, you know. It's one of those. We're losing some great players. Sammy, obviously, Taj. Uh, it'll be a different team next year, couple years. We can get back to that level. Yeah, it was an interesting season because, like you mentioned, the stars were kind of aligned. And I think, you know, with the bookends between the Georgia game and the Ohio State, you kind of saw what could happen when that team was firing all cylinders. The Ohio State game is certainly for Sammy Watkins. He blew it up, 16 receptions, 227 yards and two touchdowns. When I went back and did my scouting report based on tape, that was obviously one of the games I wanted to go back and watch. Now that his career is over at Clemson, what do you feel about Sammy Watkins? I mean, the the speed, explosiveness, elusiveness, all that stuff's going to jump out on tape. But maybe what's one thing that people might not know about Sammy Watkins if they haven't watched him a ton? It's that one of those, and as cliche as it is, he plays the game kind of that right way. He is an extremely hard worker just in terms of off-the-field items. Uh, obviously, one of the things that probably got a lot of play in uh, the the press and possibly you guys discussed was the, uh, his arrest sophomore year. Uh, he had weed sure. and prescription drugs, you know, but it was one of those. Dabo did not. Dabo Sweeney, the Clemson head coach, didn't treat him any differently. Suspended him for two games, uh, but he worked. He worked. You know, he kept doing his thing. And granted, he he actually had a stomach virus his sophomore year. He lost about ten pounds, so he was never fully back his sophomore year. But he kept doing the work, and we saw that what happened last year. Uh, you know, just he keep working hard. He, he's not one of those players where I mean, he had the talent. When, when he came in, uh, his freshman year was actually my senior year at Clemson 2011. And it's one of those, we knew about this kid, you know, he was going to be special. But how many times do you hear that in college football? And he delivered, and he didn't, he didn't rest on what he'd done. He kept, uh, kept doing it. Title in, since 1991, uh, which was a big deal. You know, it was just great. He could be frustrating at times, but for a college quarterback, he was fantastic. The, the flip side of that is when you, you kind of look at his NFL potential, which at STS we've got some great football guys who uh, know, sure. know the ins and outs. And as they point out, he, he's not going to translate well to the NFL without the proper coach. Uh, he does, he's not great with his reads. Uh, his mechanics have improved a lot in all three years, uh, but 
his read, some of his decision-making isn't the best. Uh, you know, he stares receivers down, which in the NFL we know is deadly. Uh, that, that'll that kill you. Absolutely. And, so I, I, and obviously his height. He's only, you know, I think he's listed as six one, but I, you know, I'm just shy of six foot, and it's hard to say that he was any taller than I am. Um, but it, I, I think really it, he's one of those guys where if you draft him in like the fourth, fifth round, and you're going to sit him, and you're going to let him learn, and you have a strong quarterback coach or offensive coordinator, someone that can really teach the ins and outs of the position, he'll do well. Worst case, he'll be a serviceable backup for, you know, 10 years, I think. And I think that's that's the concern for Rams fans is I think when we look at Taj Boyd, I think he's a prime candidate as a, you know, young backup option, despite the fact that just signed Sean Hill, who I failed to mention earlier. Um, But, you know, you talk about needing a coach, and I think that's one of the areas where the Rams have really failed is to develop a quarterback, whether it's Sam Bradford or anybody behind him. I think offensive talent development has been an issue. Do you think that even without that, maybe two years he could – he can turn into a really capable NFL backup quarterback or even maybe in the right situation threaten for a starting position, or is it something where without the right coach he's going to really struggle for a couple of years? Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing is I, I don't know that – I almost feel like it would be a waste with the Rams, uh, especially at least from what I remember with the offensive line. That's kind of the key with Taj. Uh, we This past year we – we didn't have a very settled offensive line. You, you could see Taj got some happy feet, especially Florida State and South Carolina, and it kind of went pear-shaped. Um, the, the flip side, too, is he does really well get them in a rhythm. Like Chad Morris, the Clemson's offensive coordinator, found, and granted Morris also ignored his own advice sometimes, was where, you know, let's do a handoff, maybe a designed run, a screening pass, you know, quick play action, you know, some smaller stuff, build his rhythm, build his confidence, and get him into the game. You know, it was those games where he went out and, oh, let's, let's try the wheel route here, go 50 yards, that it didn't work. And, it, you know, and you just kind of saw him almost go into a funk, and he played okay, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it, there was definitely that sense of he could have done a lot better. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would – definitely say that Boyd, especially with Bradford's injury history, uh, would probably be someone they should shy away from and focus, even if it's a, you know, fifth-round pick, build some depth, you know, whether it's their line or their, uh, you know, almost really anywhere, anywhere else where they could take a flyer on a player. And I think that that may be a good way to turn over into a, one of the better offensive line prospects in the in the draft coming out of Clemson this year is going to be Brandon Thomas. You mentioned the line. I mean, obviously, as young as it was, you know, two sophomores in Isaiah Battle and Ryan Norton at center. Um, only two seniors. Tyler Shatley, I think, was at right guard or left? I know he was at guard. And then you had Brandon Thomas at left tackle. What are you going to yeah, say? I, yeah, no, just that uh, th- Thomas, I, I really like the kid. I'm a bit biased. Uh, I've met him before. I've we have some mutual friends, uh, and he, he's a good kid. He's a good guy. Uh, he's actually uh, playing, I believe, his 
whenever football's done, slash if it doesn't work out for him, uh, he wants to get into teaching middle school. Um, so, and he is one. He got his degree. That was part of why he stayed. It's definitely the bright spot on the offensive line. Um, you know, some of the other guys you mentioned, like Battle, I just couldn't quite get his head on straight despite the physical attributes. Uh, and the, the exciting thing, I guess I feel, I mean, it's really for all Clemson players, is getting into an NFL strength and conditioning program is probably going to do wonders for them all. Uh, and if for any anyone that's been on Shaking the Southland, probably our biggest problem with Clemson and Dabo Sweeney is the strength and conditioning. It is, it's archaic, it's outdated, and it really doesn't maximize the potential. Uh, Sammy Watkins, his, he had a comment, you know, it was probably right around the combine, and he mentioned that how great Q-line for me was where he said, I've been working on muscles we didn't even touch in college. And, and that, that made my blood boil from a Clemson perspective. But when you look at the guys going to the NFL, I mean, you look at Sammy, Brandon, you know, even Taj to an extent, that they get in with these top-level strength and conditioning guys. They've already put up some great stats, done some great things. Just imagine sure. how further they can go. And, and that's critical, especially on the line, you know, where you, your technique and just your, your strength and your, your ability to move the defensive line is so important. Uh, so... I, I think that that potential from that is going to be an interesting to, thing to see, especially for Brandon. Well, now that you're talking about the strength, I almost want to go down that route. But before we do, I got one other question. If there's a dark horse, do you think maybe coming up, maybe it's Tosh Boyd or Brandon Thomas that you think can make a big leap? You know, Brandon Thomas, obviously, probably a day two guy at this point. But you know, if you think he's a day one guy, you think Taj is a maybe an early day two because he's got so much experience. Maybe it's guys like Bashad Breland or Martavis Bryant. Who do you think is maybe somebody besides Sammy Watkins that NFL types might want to keep an eye on if every if the stars align for him? Yeah, I definitely Martavis Bryant. Um, I do like Breland as a corner. Uh, he, he showed some things this year. Uh, and it was kind of one of those, if he stayed another year, he wasn't really going to improve his uh, draft stock, which is why he left. But Martavis Bryant, I mean, that, that's one of those, uh, you know, if you if you hear scouts still salivating over Virginia Tech quarterback Logan Thomas and how it's, well, he's got great measurables. You know, he's this tall and he looks like a quarterback. That's Mark sure. Davis Bryant as a receiver. But Bryant's also had a little bit, I would argue, better production than Thomas did as a quarterback. Uh, Bryant's problems come a little more in the route running area, some of those things, especially when he's not the focus of the route. And so if you get him, I think, you know, I wouldn't shock me, you know, if he's like a sixth-round, seventh-round guy, uh, kind of almost in that Marcus Colston from the Saints sense, you know, where no one's really talking about him, but then all of a sudden, right. bam. Um, so. Yeah, with his, with his size, I think he's a uh... – I'd be surprised if he lasts that long because you don't get a lot of guys at six five uh, right. that, that that have the kind yeah. of experience that he did in college. And the downside is he didn't have great production. It was actually one of those where, in a perfect world, he stays another year. However, he does have I want to say it's two kids, so there was that. I, I think most of his decision to go to the NFL 
was based on, uh, you know, get, getting some money, being able to provide for the kids and those things. Um, you know, it, it wasn't related to having unreasonable expectations of what was going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, it, it definitely wanted to keep an eye on maybe, you know, especially if the Rams can't get Watkins in the first round. Uh, you know, because I, I kind of feel they're either going to have to take the take them with the second pick or trade up from 13 to, uh, you know, to get Watkins. I'd be shocked if he last passed the top 10. So, yeah, you know, I think maybe Brian would be at this point. Yeah, maybe Brian's the guy you take a flyer on and see what happens. Yeah, I think the Rams have enough experience taking flyers on guys. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, I'm not ruling it out, but they have seemed to uh, make a career out of taking flyers on guys. Um, but, you know, one thing that I've been impressed with Clemson the last couple of years, and maybe this is on Coach Swinney, but I think the recruiting has been pretty impressive. And obviously when you win the kind of games that Clemson's won and you have the kind of seasons they've had, you're going to bring in some big names. But, you know, the 2012 class I remember was pretty stacked. Chad Kelly was a big quarterback recruit. Uh, you go back to last year going into the season, you had Mackenzie Alexander, um, ben Bolware, I remember, was that linebacker out of South Carolina they held on to. And now going into this season, I know you've got uh, Deshaun Watson. I think he was a uh, number one dual threat QB by Scouts Inc. How do, how do you gauge your recruiting, and where do you think this program's at in general? It, it's definitely – that is the one thing Sweeney has done well um, and is recruit. The, it's kind of one of those – if you look at, like, the tiers of schools recruiting, you know, where you've got your, your Alabamas, your LSUs, your Texases, even now kind of your Florida States where they're pulling in – five or six of those elite guys, we're, we're not quite there. We, we've hit or we've, we've swung and missed, really, on some of those top guys. We finished second on a lot of them, um, you know. And uh, I'm going to bungle his name, but Robert Nikamdichi, who's now at Ole Miss, uh, we were – he originally committed here before changing. And sadly, and I, I can't get into a lot of detail about it, but it's just one of those – Getting some of, a lot of those recruits is almost outside Davos' control, unless he wants to kind of take the gloves off, if you will, and recruit it. And I, I don't think he's going to do that, really. But I'm, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm still okay with his choice not to. You know, maybe that changes in a couple of years when it's that you know, well, we've had five years winning ten in a row, but we've you know never gotten over the hump. Maybe maybe it's time to bend some rules. Uh, well, what, but, do you, what do you think it's going to take to get over that hump? Do you think, you know, playing the the kind of recruiting games and, you know, getting on that level with the, the biggest programs in the country, is that what it's going to take? Is it more about, you know, kind of the, the finer points of college football programs? Like you mentioned, the strength program, you know, refining a lot of those smaller things that are never going to make headlines but over the course of a season can make a big difference. What do you think Clemson needs to do to maybe make, make that next step and maybe challenge somebody like Florida State? Yeah, it, I mean, it's definitely number one for me is the strength and conditioning. Uh, I think when you look at every game we've lost in the past, arguably even three years since 2011, it has been because we got beat on the lines, and that's every football game, that's what matters, it, it, almost regardless of your talent level. And so that that's my number one. That, then the second thing would be that 
being a little more ruthless in recruiting, uh, especially because, the, as we know, the NCAA is pretty incompetent. Um, it's kind of one of those, just do it. I, you suffer the consequences if you get caught, but go for it. Uh, and then a- after that, it's one of those like, some issues with roster management. You know, the kids come in that don't pull their weight or just basically sit on the bench. We had a guy game. God, it was probably like 70, 80 pounds of fat and just refused to work. But Dabo, he won't. He, he's a nice guy. And that is, I do love him for that, is that he's a genuinely good guy. He doesn't pull any of the kicking players off. You know, shady nonsense. He won't even do it for players that obviously shouldn't be at Clemson. He won't even pressure them really to transfer. So, you know, you're kind of getting into that, as you mentioned, that it's the little things at that point once you get outside of strength and conditioning and the recruiting. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, I, I was there in 2010 for a six and seven season. So I, I know what the losing's like. I can't be too greedy. But I, also growing up an LSU fan, I'll be a little greedy. You know, I, I want a national title. Yeah. Which is understandable, and with family as LSU fans, I can I can understand that. Hey, last question. Let's look for, and this is an easy one. 2014. What are you looking forward to the most? Obviously, you got the bookends again, Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, how do you feel about Clemson this year? I, it's cautiously optimistic. Um, I kind of have us as about a nine and three team, uh, just from what I've been hearing out of spring practice and everything. Obviously. You know, quarterback is going to be a big decision. You know, there's Chad Kelly. You mentioned it's Jim Kelly's uh, nephew, the Bills quarterback. He's supposed to be really good. Uh, Cole Stout, who will be a senior, he's kind of been that guy, you know. He paid his dues. He's looked good in mop-up time. He can run the offense. But we'll see him then. Yeah, the freshman phenom, Deshaun Watson, uh, who I think everyone would like to redshirt. Ideally, but Chad Morris has said this is an open competition. I'm going to name a starter in August, and it's from one of you three. So he's he's definitely in the mix, uh, and I, I think that's going to go a long way to determining it. But I'm right now I'm kind of penciling in that Georgia, Florida State, and South Carolina are those most likely to lose, if you will. But Georgia's capable, as is South Carolina, you know, Florida State's probably the only team that's better than us talent-wise. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Hey, good stuff. Hey, everybody, that's Brian Lewis from Shaking the South Lane. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian, and this is kind of hard to say, it's Brian underscore Goodison, obviously an Everton fan going against the best uh, soccer club in the world. Maybe we'll save that for oh. another time on a different show. Uh, but I want to <laughs> thank Brian for coming on. Hey, I appreciate the time, man. No problem. It's a pleasure for having me. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks, bro. <laughs> Brian Lewis, everybody, shaking the Southland. Uh, again, on Twitter, Brian underscore Goodison. Definitely want to thank him for coming up. Good stuff, man, on Sammy Watkins. I think, you know, you go back to my prospect playbook on Sammy Watkins, it's obvious, you know, explosiveness, athleticism, speed, that, that you can't teach those things, and he's got them in space. The question is, if you trust this Rams coaching staff to make the most out of that. And I think he alluded to that with Taj Boy. If he's somebody that needs coaching, is it even worth spending a draft pick on somebody if you don't feel that the Rams have that 
on the offensive side if they don't have it to develop a quarterback prospect. I think that's one of the central questions that the Rams are facing in 2014, especially if Sam Bradford's 100% ready to go for training camp. We're going to have to see if they can really make him into the kind of franchise quarterback we've always hoped he could be. Uh, we got a quick call I want to take from the 316, and then we're going to probably bring on Mike Burns from FirstPick.com. From the 316, what's going on? You're on Tertial Radio, man. Hey, what's going on? Who's this? Oh, um, my name's Tylen. I'm just calling in. I was wondering what your thoughts were on possibly drafting Khalil Mack with the second overall pick if we're unable to trade out. Yeah, I think it's interesting, man. Walter Football dropped that nugget on everybody on Twitter today, a rumor about Khalil Mack. Look, Khalil Mack's an explosive player. I think the question is, does it make sense to spend it on a guy at that position who's, you know, a kind of hybrid pass rusher, maybe makes more sense as a 3-4 outside linebacker for the Rams when we've got James Laurinaitis and Alec Ogletree already at linebacker? Are you are you uh, somebody who would support that pick? Um, yes. Um, I was just – let's just say the Houston – uh, Texans take Jadavian Clowney first overall, and we're unable to trade out. I think, I think it would really improve our defense, and I think it would be a well spent pick because our linebacking core could be on par with the Forty ers I mean, I mean, you look at Navarro Bowman so. and Patrick Wickless, and yeah, I don't, I don't know that we have anybody that's on par with those two. I think both James Lonnie and Alec Ogletree are talented. I think the problem is a you, the opportunity cost, right? The Rams' offense is not as uh, consistent as the 49ers' offense, and obviously without a talent like Anquan Bolden, who can really solidify your opportunities on third down and even along the sideline when it's deeper, uh, the Rams are kind of restricted, and that's why you see a lot of those dump-offs, and obviously you know, Sam's going to get uh, some condemnation for that, and that's understandable, but the Rams don't really have an intermediate game. It's a lot of real deep to – Chris Givens and maybe a Tavon Austin Stenman Bailey, or you play a real short game. So you lose an opportunity to maybe take somebody that can improve that, you know, Mike Evans, uh, if you believe Sammy Watkins can do that, maybe even the middle of the first round, depending on what you do with that 13 question is, if that situation holds, how crazy the damn first round would be to take, you know, a non-quarterback at number one overall and a non-quarterback at number two overall with no trade suitors. I don't, I don't know about the probability. I, I think it's possible, but I'd be surprised. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a fan of trading down, too. I'm pretty sure that's what 90% of fans want. I was just wondering who you, who, what your thoughts were on possibly taking him if we're unable to trade out. Yeah, he's a talented guy. I mean, the thing is, and this is everybody's got opinions at this time, you know, uh, I think my concern is that the offense is so far behind the defense. And we've seen games where the defense has kept us in games. Um, you've seen games like the Carolina game where when the defense held for a while and then kind of petered out, the offense wasn't able to bring it back uh, on the back end. And obviously that was the game where we lost Sam Bradford, so that was a bit different. But you go to that next week against Seattle, and the defense was pretty phenomenal against a team that ended up winning the Super Bowl, and we had them you know, at the goal line fourth down to win the game on Monday Night Football. I think the defense is capable. I was on uh, Tim Shields' show. He uh, writes for Ramsford runs a good podcast every now and then. I was on his show a couple months ago, and he asked me, you know, what is the difference between the Rams and, you know, the Chiefs or the Dolphins or some teams like that? I said, there is no difference. The real difference is we're in the NFC West and they're not. And I think by extension that makes us look a little bit worse. I think any other division, and especially in the AFC, the Rams' defense would look a hell of a lot better than it does. The problem is the offense looks even worse, and I think we almost have to keep pace a little bit 
with the strength of this division. And I worry that if we don't spend the early pick on improving the offense, then the chances of doing so later on are so small and rely on a front office and even, you know, historically previous front offices that have struggled with some mid-round picks, guys like Isaiah Teed, guys like Brian Quick that have put in a couple of years in the league and haven't really proven themselves. Now, granted, maybe this is the year that Brian Quick turns into the Brian Quick that they drafted him to be, but that's asking a lot. And those are the kind of things that if you don't make a move to support, those are the kind of things that gets people's jobs taken out of their hands. And, you know, Kenny Britt, maybe he comes in and he's able to save that position for them. But I almost worry that, you know, a Khalil Mack that I won't go as far to say that it'd be a luxury pick, but I don't feel, and, and you know, when you say it would improve the defense, I don't know that it would improve the defense as much as some secondary help. And I, uh, my personal opinion is it certainly doesn't help the team as much as an offensive playmaker. If it came down to it, who do you think would be better to help improve our defense, Genevieve Clowney or Khalil Mack? You know, honestly, overall, to improve the defense, I think it'd be neither. I think you got to go back to the secondary. I, I guess if you're having to pick between the two, I'd probably pick Clowney only because with a 4-3, I think he's a more immediate fit. Um, you know, certainly if you're willing to play some more exotic schemes with your outside linebacker, you can do some things with Max. The problem is then you got to move Ogletree over into a more traditional uh, weak position um, in terms of weak side linebacker, not in terms of weakness. But, you know, that almost doesn't make the most out of his skills because you want him as that pass defender on the strong side. Uh, it's, it's a weird situation because, you know, linebackers almost like running backs in the NFL are becoming a very specialized position. It's not what it was in the 80s and 90s where you had guys that could be, you know, three down overall guys and play real big and real heavy and let the secondary clean everything else up. Now you're looking at guys like you mentioned, you know, Navarro Bowman, guys that are, you know, athletic, move real well, and, and can traverse the field as well as some of the members of the secondary can, especially the safeties. I think we may have one in Alec Ogletree, so – you know, I, I would probably advocate waiting until later in the first round, that 13th pick, or depending on any trade situations, what you've got to look at guys like, you know, Pryor, uh, Hashan Clinton-Dix, maybe a cornerback, and obviously you've got the rest of the draft besides the first round. Second day is going to offer some opportunities to improve that secondary. That's probably where I go, but I think it's one of those situations where we're going to have to monitor moving in the days ahead. Uh, and maybe there's a free agency move before the draft. Who knows, man? But I think, uh, you know, the good thing about the Rams right now is that they're in a great position in, in terms of the draft, which they have been the last couple of years. The difference is they filled some picks that they know they don't have to touch, right? You know, you know you've got defensive ends. You know you've got a defensive tackle on Michael Brockers. You know you've got a second linebacker in Alec Ogletree. You know you've got a running back now in Zach Stacy. They filled some of those holes that they really didn't have solidified. Uh, and I think that's a good thing because it offers them the capability to go after what can really improve the team, whatever that happens to be. And who knows, maybe it ends up being Mac. But, hey, Going I want to thank you running, man. Hey, no, what's up? Going back to running back, uh, what are any late-round prospects that you have your eye on possibly add depth in the backfield? In terms of mid-round prospects, you said? Late-round. Yeah, I think any the difficulty for running back – yeah, I think the difficulty for running back now is it depends on who you got on the roster, right? You just saw, you know, the Steelers with Le'Veon Bell go ahead and pick up, um, oh, man, uh, LeGarrette Blunt, you know? And so it depends on how you want to couple them. Do you want them to add strength to strength, or do you want to kind of adjust what the capabilities are that you have? Uh, if you go to, like, you know, the idea that you want to add somebody to Zach Stacy who's got a little bit more well-rounded game with a, a little bit of power, 
you know, you've got some different options in terms of guys you could add maybe day three, day four. Obviously, Andre Williams out of Boston College was as productive as you'll find, but doesn't seem to be picking up a ton of love from uh, scouts if you follow, you know, a lot of the conventional wisdom. Charles Sims was uh, very productive and obviously having transferred to West Virginia had some uh, a bit of a down year, obviously, with the Mountaineers, with Tavon Austin and uh, Geno Smith, Stedman Bailey haven't left. Um, you know, Storm Johnson, I think, is an interesting guy. Used to be in Miami, and then he went to Central Florida. Lachey Seastrunk out of Baylor hasn't gotten a ton of love. I think those are all really talented picks. I think on the other side, though, you've got the speed candidates that can really be great change of pace guys. Uh, DeAnthony Thomas being chiefly among them out of Oregon, and Dre Archer out of Kent State. I think either of those would be really interesting picks. And if we get into day two and late into that second round, I think those will both be really sensible third-round picks. We'll have to see, though, how it shakes out. I wouldn't be surprised if both of those guys are gone by the time the Rams are on the clock in the third round simply because speed kills and you can't teach it. Um, hey, do me a favor, man. What's your screen name on Tertia Times? Um, I believe it's Rampage217. Rampage. All right, man. Well, thank you for calling up Rampage217. All right. Thank you, Matt. Hey, thanks. See, I can be friendly. Rampage217, everybody. Big Kai calling into the show. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. I think the, the thing with Khalil Mack that's interesting is how, how strong do you want to make your strength? You know, the de- this is a defensive team. It's shaping up to be the case again this season. Do you want to load up a defense uh, or do you want to try to improve that offense? And I think part of that is how much do you tr- trust these coaches to do things that they haven't done. You go back through Jeff Fisher's time with the Titans. It was a defensively strong run first offense with a, you know, guy like Steve McNair that could do what he did. Can Sam Bradford take the best qualities out of Steve McNair and apply those to the, to the Rams offense while they continue, you know, some defensive, uh, defensively strong play. And do they need to add to that to, to make it a buffer against the rest of the NFC West? <laughs> You've got three 10 win teams in 2013 coming back to try to make it back into the playoffs, albeit, you know, a Cardinals team that, despite winning 10 games, didn't make it. Um, before we get to the 2014 season, though, obviously we got the draft in front of us, and I want to bring in Mike Burns from FirstPick.com. Um, Mike, welcome to the show. Let me ask you, let, just explain it for everybody. What is First Pick? Oh, thanks for having us on the show. We're actually real excited you guys found the site and uh, asked us to come on, so thanks again for uh, for having us here. Uh, FirstPick.com sure. was an idea that we had a couple of years ago, um, old roommate and I um, were going through a lot of the static mock drafts that a lot of the uh, experts would put together. And for us, we would go to like, you know, 5, 10, 15 different experts a day and try to take out and see our favorite teams who would end up picking. And through the process, we decided, like, you know, there's got to be a way that we could just be at one place and, and get all of this uh, enjoyment out of the draft um, kind of continuously. So we, we built this uh, an online game where you go on, you pick a team, um, you know, your favorite team or any of the NFL teams, and you act kind of as their GM. And you go through this simulated draft where you field um, offers, trade offers, and you also make some trade offers, move up and down, and try to get the best uh, value you can. And, um, you know, we, we launched the thing after we, we started playing it ourselves and found out it was uh, so fun we kind of had to share it with all the fans. Yeah, and I was actually – 
playing with it recently, I think what's interesting is you give all the capabilities of a GM. So a lot of times you look at mock drafts and, you know, they're picking people and there's no trades or there's trades and they're just crazy. But you guys kind of blend that where you've got, you know, realistic picks, drafts. How do you build that into the algorithm? And obviously I'm not looking for any state secrets or anything, but how, how do you put together this game for the draft side? Well, it actually took uh, it took quite a bit of time of um, analyzing what had happened in the past. The trading was probably the hardest thing to design. And um, it's funny you mentioned realism. Um, we initially thought, hey, let's make this as close as we can to a real draft, something people would see. So they get, you know, there's a draft value chart out there, so you could easily kind of go through and, and make sure the picks correlate. But uh, we really want to make it, at least this first go-around, fantasy-like. So we offer, as a user, you're playing and you may get some really great offers that you just it just doesn't make sense to you but um uh tightening it up is probably the way we're going to end up going um but initially our design was to make it as fantasy as people could make it and then so fill me in on how it works so i mean i've played it before but like how did you know i did one the other day and i traded out of the second pick and the first three picks were manville Bortles, bridgewater do you, do you guys have to go and scout the players? Are you taking into account what dealer mocks are doing? Does it change, you know, week to week? How do you guys put that together where, like, the big board knows, you know, who the best players for what pick are, those kind of things? Uh, so there's several inputs that go into the system, and the main ones are um, team needs and player values. And the player values come from our own kind of uh, uh, strategy of what these guys are worth, but that comes from... Um, looking at the, the popular mock drafts and looking at the, what the experts are thinking and trying to get uh, a combination of what everybody is out there, or almost like a consensus. So we, we update that weekly um, a little quicker if there's things like the combine that come up or a little bit slower if it's, if it's kind of a slow week. Well, let me ask you this, man. Um, moving into tomorrow, Jadevian Clowney. Uh, has his pro day. How do you guys grade him out? What are you looking at in terms of Jadavian Clowney? I mentioned the draft that I did had three quarterbacks early. Do you expect he's somebody that's going to upset maybe some of those quarterback-heavy early drafts? What, what are you looking at in terms of Clowney? How do you guys grade him or look at him from first pick's perspective? So from our perspective, we actually think Clowney is probably the best guy on the board. Um, and right. the reason is because if you look at the guy behind the player that uh, you know that you're looking at, Clowney, for instance, You've got to fall quite far to find his uh, the next best defensive end, and for us, it's, it seems uh, like a big drop off, right? Yeah, for sure. And in quarterbacks, you got three guys that, depending on your team, um, they may value Bortles more, they may value uh, Manziel, they may value Bridgewater. So it's kind of a, a hodgepodge at the top. So if you're really looking for value, um, Clowney's the guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if Clowney does go number one. In terms of the quarterbacks, how, how do you view them? Because there's a, you know, you got this glut at the top, Mansell, Borders, Bridgewater, but you've got some interesting candidates later on. Do you do you think maybe there's, or do you see a lot of this from people who are reaching for quarterbacks, maybe in the latter couple picks of the single digits teams like Tampa Bay, Minnesota? Uh, do you see that maybe there are more than three quarterbacks going in the top ten? How do you look at the quarterback position? So the quarterback position is probably the hardest one to value, and that's because every year this you year see especially. a team. It, it, let me ask you. Let me interrupt real quick, only because is that sure. is that because it's difficult this year, or is it difficult in general? Do you think? 
it's difficult in general. Usually, like, there's one guy that will come out. For instance, uh, the Lions picked Stafford. Everyone kind of knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, when, when Bradford came out, you kind of knew he was going to be a top pick. This year, the, there's three guys, and who knows, different teams probably have a different one, number one, on their boards. So uh, this year specifically different. But every year you see a quarterback get taken well higher than you think they'd go. Or you see a guy fall sure. that you think he'd be a, a top pick and he just, for some reason, it gets passed up on. Yeah, and I think what's interesting, I always mention these wackadoo picks, that there's going to be somebody that upsets the draft relatively early on. Sometimes it comes right around 5, 6, 7. Sometimes it comes around 9, 10, 11. But you're always going to have, you know, CJ Spiller, Tyson Alualu, somebody that throws the draft completely on. Is there somebody you think that isn't being talked about as a top 10 pick, a, a top half of the first round, or even as a first round guy, a name that you feel pretty confident is going to come up and mess up a lot of these mock drafts by going way earlier than people think and throw a bunch of those higher options down the lower to teams that are picking later. Are you talking any position or quarterback specifically? I'm talking any position, but obviously it could be quarterback. Really what I'm looking for, tell me something to make me feel better about the Rams picking 13. Uh, no, the 13 pick is a great pick. Because if you look Absolutely. at like the top, I, I think there's eight guys on top that I would take in, in around the top five. You've got Robinson, Matthews, you've got Watkins, Clowney, Bortles, Mack, Barr, and Evans. Those are my eight. And, you know, if you're picking 10, like the Lions are, you're picking nine like Buffalo, then you hope one of those guys falls and fits your needs. But 13, you've got that second group of guys. I mean, you can get an Aaron Donald to fall or, or a, a Lewan from Michigan. You can get a cornerback sure. or, or a safety. I mean, you guys need um, Clinton Dixon. That'd be awesome. So guys that can kind of uh, upset the higher ranks, um, that it really falls where, where does Clowney go, where do the quarterbacks go. Um, and really, where does Watkins go? I think Watkins is probably the hottest commodity we've seen. That's interesting. And, and, you know, what I thought was interesting in the draft that I did, it was three quarterbacks, three offensive tackles, Robinson Matthews won. Eric Ebron ended up going seventh, and Sammy Watkins ninth. So it was really heavy offensively early on. Do you expect that? Is that something maybe an aberration for my draft? What are you looking to? I'm assuming you're a draft fan, and you know you mentioned you and your friends did this. Do you are you looking forward to maybe an offensively heavy draft early on, or do you think maybe that's just you know the algorithm spitting out one aberration? I think this year is going to be offensively heavy. But yeah, we're we're huge draft fans. I mean, I watch it from uh, start to finish every year. So um, the guys that, are, that could move up defensively, I mean, if you look at, like, the top 20, top 15, there's probably three-quarters of them that are offensive players. But, um, but Clowney, obviously at top, you've got two great linebackers that I think are almost equivalent. In our game, we've got them neck and neck, and it's Mack and Barr. And then uh, you've got the cornerbacks. But the problem is cornerbacks that are taken early don't necessarily do well, like historically in the top five, top ten. I'd be I'd, I'd feel much more comfortable getting them in like with 13 where St. Louis is picking or beyond. If you can get a guy at 20, that'd be great. You just don't want to waste a pick on a guy who could be an anchor for your team um, with with someone at a position that that typically doesn't uh, or at least recently doesn't go that high. Sure. Let me let me ask you this: If you think there's maybe a sleeper late round one into day two, somebody that nobody's talking about uh, as a draft fan. Who do you think is maybe somebody that isn't getting talked about that's going to make it early enough on in the draft and have a big influence on the team, either in their rookie year or throughout their career, somebody that people aren't really expecting that from right now as all the hype is on the early first-round picks? Uh, 
people. So I really like the wide receivers, and everyone knows that. I think the wide receivers are about as deep as they've been in years. And the guy I'm it's looking a at is Brandon. A really deep group. Brandon Cooks. I Brandon think that guy Cooks, can, yeah. I, he can just fly. I like him. And Odell Beckham, too. I mean, both of them are – those guys are, are late first round to mid first round picks. I could see I could see five, six wide receivers being drafted in the first round. And those two specifically, if they fall, there could be a lot of action to pick them up. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Wide receiver, you know, I was talking earlier about linebacker and running back being one of those specialized positions. You're seeing this now, you know, as a kind of – uh, position that somebody's got a hold of for NFL rosters, which is, you know, the small speedsters, guys like Brandon Cooks, or even Marcus Wheaton, who came out of uh, Oregon State last year, uh, Odell Beckham with return capabilities. Obviously for the Rams, it's Tavon Austin. But you're seeing a lot of these teams pick up smaller, faster guys. Do you think that's something that's going to have to increase as, you know, teams, especially with the NFL and a lot of the new safety rules, they're looking to push the speed of the game uh, a little bit stronger. Do you think that's something that's going to become more valuable in the drafts as we go forward as opposed to the size guys, guys like a Kelvin Benjamin? Oh, for sure. I mean, we already see that happening. Um, you see guys that are tweeners, uh, quote-unquote, guys that can play two different positions but aren't perfect at either one of them. So a guy who's a little bit undersized but, but plays an end or something like that. And it's just because the game's getting faster. And every game you see, guys are, are just – much faster than they were. They're playing faster, they're acting faster, they're reacting quicker. So if you could have speed on offense and defense, then uh, you're going to be head and shoulders above your opponent. So that's something that's been happening in the draft, and I think it will continue to happen. All right, so we need to get Brandon Cooks, Sammy Watkins, and we can just draft DeAnthony Thomas and put him at defensive end. Got it. All right. Give us a hint, <laughs> possible. First, yeah, first pick. Uh, I went through a while back. All you got to do is log, you know, create a login email, and then you can ju- just jump right into the draft. Is there anything else that people need to do to maybe improve the user experience? Are there any tools that you're looking at developing for the site to, Im- to improve you know, what you guys already have there in terms of the draft process? Yeah, like I said, there's really two of us on this team, so it's not a big team going forward, but we've got a lot of ideas. So it's a and, huge um, IT. It's a huge startup. You've got hundreds of yeah. kids out in Silicon Valley, yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, we the, the biggest problem, actually, that we've had is that we've uh, run into some um, uh, growing pains. Uh, it, the servers can't handle a lot of the traffic that we're getting. So uh, the fans out there that are playing, they get kicked out of the site. That's our main problem. So we keep going forward, um, you know, building and building uh, capacity, and that's that's kind of our biggest thing. So bear with us, and, and we'll get it right. But, um, but in terms of features, um, we're going to make the draft a little more realistic to the actual NFL draft. Um, and you're going to see a lot of the trades going up and down, up being a little easier and down um, getting a little more stringent. And they're going to fall in more of an accordance with the, uh, the value chart. And that's something we've gotten as a feedback. So um, I know a lot of people email, and we get through all of the emails. Trust me, we read every single one. Um, it's getting to the point where I can't reply to everyone, but we, we definitely look at all of them. And that was the biggest thing that fans said was they want to make it a little bit more um, realistic in terms of their experience. So that'll happen. Um, and then a lot of the other changes that we're going to make going forward, we're, we're going to keep under uh, under the hood for now. But we're testing a lot of stuff out. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, keep us abreast of what you got going on. You know we're fans over at Church of Times. I know Dougie Fresh will be on there. I think he logs on. I think he's the reason. Why, why the servers broke. I think, uh, you know, I asked him what was going on. He, he said he was breaking bandwidth over at firstpick.com. Uh, everybody, Perfect. that's Mike we, we love Burns. the traffic. Yeah, good. It's first-pick.com. 
Go check it out. Create a profile. Play around with it. It's a fun little game, man. And once, once Mike and those guys get going, it's going to be something really awesome and fun to play with throughout the year. Mike, thanks for coming home, man. Okay, thanks a lot for having us. Hey, thanks. Mike Burns, everybody. One more time, that's firsthyphenpick.com. If you're listening to this tomorrow, in the weeks ahead, in the months ahead, go ahead and check it out. It's a pretty cool tool. You can always, uh, you know, Listen to the podcast on the way to work, uh, which is an easy plug for our iTunes channel. Go ahead and check us out on iTunes. You can get all the old shows, easy way to subscribe. So that when we got new shows at Tertial Radio, if you happen to be taking a cruise, uh, going to Aruba, uh, you know, spending a weekend in a Roman villa, all the kind of vacations that none of us have. When you get to take those and you miss an episode of Tertial Radio, if you subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, It'll be the easiest way for when you return from Martinique in your uh, personal cabana with uh, Kate Upton to be able to get the last episode of Tertial Radio and check out what was going down. So big thanks to Mike Burns from first-pick.com. He follows the Kate Upton mention. I'm sure that will drive at least 10% of traffic. Coming up on that hour, Mark, uh, I want to thank uh, everybody for calling in. We had Brian Lewis, Mike Burns, two VIPs today. We also had uh, Rampage calling in. I think it was Rampage 217 calling in to talk about some stuff. You know, moving forward to the draft, I'm going to try to get another show together for next week. If not, it'll be mid-April. You know, one of the things I think that thing, and we alluded to it a little bit, is the trades. The trades, you know, historically, and, you know, the historically when you talk about mock drafts and online NFL talk, you're only talking a couple of years. So it's not like there's a, you know, decades of history here. Historically, you look at mock drafts and they were just, you know, this team has this pick, here's who they take. I think this year for the first year, you've really seen a lot of mock drafts take trades into account, and it's because they're unrealistic if they don't. And to some degree, the the lack of realism for mock drafts has never turned a lot of people off. You just want to see your team and have a discussion about what prospects make sense and, you know, throw your opinion out there. But there's always been this sense of when you throw a name out there that it could happen, right, that when you see the Rams mock the Sammy Watkins, Greg Robinson, uh, whomever, trading to, you know, to whatever it is, that there's some sense of realism, that it's not, it's not so unrealistic that it's not worth your time. I think we've almost approached an era where uh, it's unrealistic to get through a top ten and not see any trades. And especially, and this is the, why I bring this up, especially with the St. Louis Rams, the last, you know, couple of years, having moved away from the pick that they inherited based on their record, um, I think it's almost impossible to assume that between the second and 13th pick that they're going to pick at 2 and 13 when, the, when our names come on the clock, if we even get there. I wouldn't be surprised if the trades are finalized before we even get into May. I think what's hard to gauge is, especially because you've got a second and 13th pick, it's hard to feel, you know, do they want to move down from 2? Do they want to move up from 13? Maybe they want to stay at 2 and move down from 13 and stockpile a second, maybe a third, maybe a future pick. I mean, there's so many options, and and what makes it realistic to think about those things is the fact that Les Nindison and Jeff Fisher have shown a proclivity for doing just that. They they feel comfortable moving around the draft order uh, in order to pick up some different picks and go after guys they wanted. They made no bones about it. You know, Tavon Austin was the target, and they went after it. I think the question is, uh, do they have a guy like that this year that they that they feel that they can't leave the second pick for? Is Sammy Watkins or Greg Robinson or uh, Jake Matthews or uh, anybody or Jadavian Clowney or Khalil Mack? Are they are they so committed to the idea that this guy is going to be a stud 
And even though it's maybe somebody that's not perfect for the Genevian clowning, a Khalil Mack, if they're so committed to it and they know it, does it make more sense to take him and worry about supporting the rest of the depth chart later on in the draft and in the years ahead? I don't think there's a good answer. Um, I'm hoping as we get closer, maybe we'll get some leaks. And obviously as we start you know, filling in some of these cracks with free agency, that's right, I said fill in the crack, fill McCracken. As we start filling McCracken with some of these um, free agent moves, you know, a Kenny Britt, does that necessarily take wide receiver off the you know the radar? Sean Hill, does that maybe move a backup quarterback down the line a little bit where instead of looking at maybe second but certainly third and fourth round, now you're looking at third, fourth, fifth, or even fourth, fifth, sixth for bringing in a rookie, maybe a Taj Boyd like I talked to Brian about. Um, a lot of draft stuff to come. We're going to have more episodes of Tertial Radio, so we're going to have plenty on the draft. Uh, definitely call us up next time. I want a couple more calls. We're going to press this pretty hard from the marketing and promotion standpoint uh, moving forward. Again, tonight the number was 347-857-1022. So if you happen to be listening to this uh, in the days and weeks ahead, go ahead and write that number down. I'm going to try to lock that number in so that moving into the draft and even throughout the rest of the offseason, you'll know that 347-857-1022 is going to be your number to call into Tertial Radio. Again, Season six, man. Season six of Tertial Radio. I am getting fucking old. <laughs> season six of this podcast. You know, I remember we used to go back and you would look at like two people listening to the podcast. Now we're getting into four digits. You know, sometimes the big episodes, especially when we get closer to the draft, we're going to have to, you know, more tens of thousands of people listen to this stuff. So we definitely want you guys to call in and get your opinions, get your questions on the air so we can address them because it's only going to make the discussions that, that much more interesting and that much more vibrant over on Tertial Times and even for the show itself. So bringing in some interesting guests in the weeks ahead, but obviously the central guest is going to be you guys, Tertial Timers, Tertial Radio listeners. As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. You know the deal, 2014 NFL Draft. Rams have it all to play for, man, and there's not a down to be played. It's a crazy, it's a crazy situation, and thankfully there's no Kevin Costner. But as always, go Rams. See you guys in a little bit. Starting this off, the Rams get down so nobody scoffs. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping when game time comes with it back to that. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty, but we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the LA Rams. Hollywood Hansen, Dodge City Tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Jeter, nobody dresses Twitter. But under this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from the end, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. I know how to rock from the toes to the head When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead I'm a mountain man from West VA They call me Herc and I came to play I learned long ago to ram it just right You can ram it all day and ram it all night Ram it, do you know how to ram it, ram it, ram it, ram it, ram it. 
look at my stock. I catch what they throw me and I like the block. I'm quick off the line as I can be, cause I don't want dick running over me. This is baby place and I don't yield. I'm a Texan fool on the football field. From the Jersey Shore to Baboa Bay. If you run at me, you'll have a bad day. This is RB, no speedball brown. Fastest man in the whole damn town. Cars and ladies are a part of my creed, but more than that, I feel the need for speed. How to make a run With shade on I can catch a BB in the dark So now you're ready And I'm sure you'll agree The ramming is fun When you're ramming with me Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Verge Cast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.